How long is it from here to eternity? The answer is simply minutes. God's word commands in Ephesians 5:15 and 16, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. How does one redeem time? Who do we buy it back from? The miracle of redeeming time begins the moment one is born again, born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God. And this literal place called born again, one is translated from the identifier of sons and daughters of Adam to sons and daughters of God. John chapter 1, 11 and 12, he came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Who do we buy time back from? Imagine time is redeemed from the very fall of man from the kingdom of carnality itself. Now imagine that this time which is redeemed will bear fruit that will last forever. The time of the born again has been redeemed from the camp of sin and darkness and transferred to the camp of righteousness and light. Are you unhappy with whom you have become? Have you tired of life's sin and bondage? Are you ready to redeem your time? If you have passed your prime and think, what is the use? Consider this. The ministry that changed the outcome of untold millions of lives lasts only three years. The ministry of Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. It's time to redeem your time. Your clock is ticking. Click on the further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 6, 1 through 4, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. God said, Deuteronomy 3.13, And the rest of Gilead and all Bashan, being the kingdom of Og, gave I unto the half-tribe of Manasseh, all the region of Argob, with all Bashan, which was called the land of the giants. God said, Numbers 13.33, And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which came of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Man said, Of course academics reject the Bible, and one big reason is the fairy tale nature of this so-called sacred book. Empty exaggerations, like hordes of giants once roaming the earth, typifies the kinds of bunk that rightfully earns such skepticism. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said feature article 671 that will once again prove the absolute accuracy of the Word of God, miracles and all. All of these features are archived on this site in text and streaming audio for the defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ and as ammunition in the battle for the souls of men. There are three convenient features on God Said, Man Said that many have found very useful. One, 
You have questions? God has answers. Whatever your question, type a keyword in the search bar, top right, and watch the screen populate with related information from Adam and Eve to quantum physics. 2. Use the tell a friend feature above to send a message to someone you love. It's so quick and easy. 3. Imagine you can download to your electronic device nearly 170 hours of God Said, Man Said features. Listen to one every day. Thank you for visiting God Said, Man Said today. May God's face shine upon you with light and truth. Giants, could they be true? Are the Bible's approximate 200 references to giants certified true by third-party experts? Does paleontology, archaeology, historical records, and societal accounts all say yes? There can be no reasonable doubt. God Said, Man Said has published several features addressing the subject of giants over the past decade or so. The mysterious giants have risen again, but this time under the title of the Nephilim. The word Nephilim is found in the NIV and other minority text translations, but in the majority text authorized King James Version, the word is correctly translated as giants. Several foundational paragraphs from the God Said, Man Said feature Giants 2 follow. Confessing Christians have been busy running from the Word of God and dodging biblical truths, such as the 6,000-plus-year-old earth, fire-breathing dragons, fiery flying serpents, the seed dinosaur Leviathan, the walls of Jericho, the missing day, the virgin birth, the resurrection, Christ's ascension, His returning, and on and on. It's an insult to the Lord Jesus Christ. One brother, when discussing biblical faith and miracles with a particular pastor, found out that the pastor didn't believe in either. When discovering this obvious conundrum, he asked the pastor, Why aren't you laying brick? In other words, why are you representing what you don't believe? Why not take another vocation such as bricklaying? Yes, there were giants in those days. When discussing giants of old and people of enormous height, many people today lump these two together, referring to such terms as giganticism or acromegaly, a rare disorder of the pituitary gland which causes abnormal size. But the giants of the scriptures were not rare genetic flukes. There were entire populations of giants. The scriptures refer to giants nearly 200 times. If the Word of God makes mention of giants so many times, then there should be empirical proof that they did once exist, and of course there is. In Deuteronomy 3.13, Moses speaks concerning the dividing of part of conquered Canaan among the Israelites. It reads, And the rest of Gilead and all Bashan, being the kingdom of Og, gave I unto the half-tribe of Manasseh, all the region of Argob, with all Bashan, which was called the land of the giants." It was the land of the giants. God reminds backslidden and rebellious Israel of their roots. In Amos chapter 2, verse 9, Yet destroyed I the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of the cedars, and he was strong as the oaks, yet I destroyed his fruit from above and his roots from beneath. The Amorites were giants, having great strength and enormous height. King Og was the leader of the giants. Deuteronomy 3.11 reads, For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of giants, 
Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in Raboth of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth of it, after the cubit of a man. Perhaps the first museum was in Raboth of the children of Ammon, where Og's bed remained. If you use the eighteen-inch cubit, his bed would be thirteen and a half feet long and six feet wide, or based on the twenty-two-inch cubit, sixteen and a half feet long and seven feet four inches wide. Give him a foot for head and toe clearance, and you have a giant of twelve and a half to fifteen and a half feet tall. It is reported that German scholar Gustav Dahlmann discovered the bed of the giant king just where God said it sat. When the spies that Moses sent across Jordan returned, they alarmed the people with a story of ferocious giants, Numbers 13.33. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which came of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Og, the king of the giants, ruled over sixty cities. God delivered the race of giants into the hand of the seed of Jacob, Deuteronomy 3. Uh, verses 4 and 5. And we took all his cities at that time. There was not a city which we took not from him. Three score cities, all the region of Argob, the kingdom of Og and Bashan. All these cities were fenced with high walls, gates, and bars, beside unwalled towns a great many. Concerning these sites of giants, Deuteronomy one twenty-eight reads, Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven, and moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. Cambridge Essays in 1858 published the following writings of Cyril Graham under the title The Ancient Bashan and the Cities of Og. The following excerpt from Mr. Graham is taken from the book Giants, written by Charles Deloche. When we find one after another great stone cities walled and unwalled with stone gates and so crowded together that it becomes almost a matter of wonder how all the people could have lived in so small a place, when we see houses built of such huge and massive stones that no force which can be brought against them in that country could ever batter them down, when we find rooms in these houses so large and lofty that many of them would be considered fine rooms in the palace in Europe, and lastly, when we find some of these towns bearing names, which our cities in that very country bore before Israelites came out of Egypt, I think we cannot help feeling the strongest conviction that we have before us the cities of the Rephaim, of which we read in the book of Deuteronomy, end of quote. Rephaim mentioned above simply means giants. Flavius Josephus, one of the greatest historians of all time, writes the following in chapter 5 of the Antiquities of the Jews. For which reason they removed their camp to Hebron. When they had taken it, they slew all the inhabitants. There were till then left the race of giants, who had bodies so large and countenances so entirely different from other men that they were surprising to the sight and terrible to the hearing. The bones of these men are still shown to this very day, unlike to any credible relations of other men. End of quote. Again, according to the research collected by Deloche, 
Pliny mentions that in the reign of Claudius, A.D. 41 to 54, a nine-foot, nine-inch giant named Gabarus was brought to Rome from Arabia. Claudius placed him at the head of the famed Autotrix legions. The giant so awed his troops that some worshipped him as a god. And again, during his principate, uh, Caesar Augustus, 27 B.C. to A.D. 14, assigned two giants who towered over ten feet tall to lead the Roman armies into battle. On account of this remarkable height, writes Pliny, the bodies of the two giants were preserved in the tomb of Sallust Gardens. Their names were Pusio and Secundula, end of quote. Deloche reports that Peter Colosimo, in his 1968 book, Timeless Earth, states that an 11-foot-long skeleton was found near the eastern border of Pakistan. Finally, from the roast, the following excerpt. In 1970, some huge fossilized footprints that he found in Australia's outback so intrigued Dr. Rex Gilroy, director of the Mount York Natural History Museum at Mount Victoria, north-southwest, that he began excavations in that area. Over the years, he gathered enough evidence to convince himself that a race of giants once dwelled there. Near Bathrust, Dr. Gilroy turned up some stone implements, hand axes, clubs, pounders, adders, knives, and other tools so huge that only giants with extra-large hands and strength could have made any beneficial use of them. He also uncovered some giant molars, and other fossilized footprints that measured up to 30 inches in length. The implications are, he wrote in an article detailing his archaeological finds, that men of 12 to 20 foot in height once roamed this continent. End of quote. A question often pondered is how did the Native Americans get to the Western Hemisphere, and where did they first arrive? It is now known that all living humans are the offspring of mtDNA Eve and Y-chromosome Adam, and they populated from the area of the Middle East just as the Bible describes. Consensus has it that Native Americans arrived here via a land bridge known as the Bering Strait. But ancient Indian societal records and archaeological and paleontological discoveries suggest that the American Indians were preceded in time possibly by a seagoing group of giants, and we're not speaking of the Vikings. Many remember the Contiki expedition. L.A. Marzulli, in his book On the Trail of the Nephilim, interviews archaeologist Dr. Aaron Judkins and records the following Q&A concerning Contiki. Question. Thor Heyerdahl proves in Contiki that ancient people could have navigated the oceans. With that in mind, is it possible the tribes of Nephilim located in Canaan fled via the oceanic routes? Answer. The Contiki expedition was inspired by old reports and drawings made by the Spanish conquistadors of Inca rafts and by native legends and archaeological evidence suggesting contact between South America and Polynesia. Contiki demonstrated that it was possible for a primitive raft to sail the Pacific to the west if the wind was at your back. This demonstrates that the Nephilim could have gotten all around the globe via the oceanic routes on primitive rafts in just a few years. We know that the Phoenicians became master sailors of the seas. In modern-day science, there are a few ex experts that uh, trace a gene called Haplo-X 
found in some of the Native American population back to the biblical lands. The experts tell us that Haplo X was not found in Siberia, thus effectively ruling out that ancient Manurai via the Bering Land Bridge, but that this gene is specifically Eurasian. The origin of the other half of Group X was found in Galilee. But when did these peoples arrive? Some scientists theorize that it was some 40,000 years ago, but there is a controversy in the dating. When examining the actual data, other scientists using the new clock based on mutation rates conclude that this could be a mere 2,000 to 6,000 years ago. Is this the same tribe of giants called the Kurgan of southern Russia? Is it possible that the tribes of Nephilim fled via the ocean routes? The evidence is circumstantial at best, but indeed remains an intriguing possibility. End of quote. Was someone already home when the Western Hemisphere's Native Americans came knocking? According to them, there was. Again from Marzuli's interview with Dr. Judkins. Question. Native Americans claim there was a race of giant people who were here before them. What are your thoughts in that regard? Answer. The North American Indians, especially the Chippewa, Sandusky, Tawa, Iroquois, Cherokee, Choctaw, and Hopi tribes believed that there was a race of giant beings before them. My great-grandmother was full-blooded Choctaw Indian. The Choctaw's legend tell that after they crossed the Mississippi River, they encountered a powerful white race of cannibal giants who came from the east and used mammoths as beasts of burden, but were in decline when the Choctaw came. In the autobiography of William Buffalo Bill Cody, Cody writes that while camping on the South Platte, a Pawnee Indian came into the camp with what the army surgeon pronounced to be a giant thigh bone of a human being. When Cody asked about where such a bone might have come from, the Indian replied that long ago, a race of giants had lived in the area that were 15 feet tall. This race of men were three times larger than normal men and able to outrun a buffalo and even carry it in one hand. Buffalo Bill also wrote the following words about a legend recounted to him by members of the Sioux tribe. It was taught by the wise men of their tribe that the earth was originally peopled by giants who were fully three times the size of modern men. They were so swift and powerful that they could run alongside a buffalo, take the animal under one arm, and tear off a leg and eat it as they ran. So vainglorious were they because of their own size and strength, they, de they denied the existence of a creator. When it lighted, they proclaimed their superiority to the lightning. When it thundered, they laughed. This displeased the great spirit, and to rebuke their arrogance, he sent a great rain upon the earth. The valleys filled with water, and the giants retreated to the hills. The water crept up the hills, and the giants sought safety on the highest mountains. Still the rain continued. The waters rose, and the giants, having no other refuge, were drowned. End of quote. Marzulli, in his book on the Trail of the Nephilim, lists numerous newspaper reports concerning giant discovery in the Western Hemisphere. A few of the many headlines and excerpts follow. Helena Independent, Wednesday, October 10, 1883. J.H. Hamley, a well-known and reliable citizen of Bernard, Missouri, writes to the Gazette the particulars of the discovery of a giant skeleton four miles southwest of that place. A farmer named John W. Hannon 
found the bones protruding from the bank of a ravine that has been cut by the action of the rains during the past years. Mr. Hannon worked several days in unearthing the skeleton, which proved to be that of a human being whose height was 12 feet. New York Tribune, February 3, 1909. Headline, Skeleton 15 Feet High Unearthed in Mexico. News was received here Monday from Mexico that at uh, Extapalapa, a town 10 miles southeast of Mexico City, there had been discovered what was believed to be the skeleton of a prehistoric giant of extraordinary size. A person while excavating for the foundation of a house on the estate of Augustine Juarez found the skeleton of a human being that is estimated to have been about 15 feet high and who must have lived ages ago, judging from the ossified state of the bones. The discovery of the skeleton has revived the old Aztec legend that in a prehistoric age, a race of giants lived in the valley of Anahuac, a name given by the aboriginal Mexicans to that part of the Mexican plateau nearly corresponding to the modern valley of Mexico City. Scientific American, August 14, 1880, page 106, title, Ancient American Giants. The Reverend Stephen Bowers notes in the Kansas City Review of Science the opening of an interesting mound in Brush Creek Township, Ohio. The mound was opened by the Historical Society of the Township under the immediate supervision of Dr. J.S. Everhart of Zanesville. It measured 64 by 35 feet at the summit, gradually sloping in every direction and was eight feet in height. There was found in it a sort of clay coffin, including the skeleton of a woman measuring eight feet in length. Within this coffin was found also the skeleton of a child about three and a half feet in length and an image that crumbled when exposed to the atmosphere. In another grave was found the skeleton of a man and a woman, the former measuring nine and the later eight feet in length. In a third grave occurred two other skeletons, male and female, measuring respectively nine feet four inches and eight feet. Seven other skeletons were found in the mound, the smallest of which measured eight feet, while others reached the enormous length of ten feet. Urbana Union, February 16, 1870, page one, headline reads, Skeletons of a Giant Race Found Near Potosi. The evidence appears to be pretty well settled that this whole western country was once inhabited by a race of beings of gigantic stature, which were not only hard-working, industrious fellows, but well up in many of the fine arts. The Washington Herald, May 31, 1919, page 5, headline, Prehistoric Giant Unearthed. Seymour, Texas, May 30, oil drillers claim to have found bones of a prehistoric giant 10 feet high. The Vancouver Sun, August 18, 1922, page 9, headline, Primitive Man, 10 Feet Tall is Unearthed. Mexico City, August 17, the Department of Agriculture yesterday received from an agent of Tabuan Island, Gulf of California, the skeleton of a primitive man more than 10 feet tall. It was found a few days ago. Other bones of similar size have been encountered. Anaconda Standard. April 29, 1890, page 3. The Pony Express says that one day last week, carpenters on the Isdell Irrigating Ditch unearthed a skeleton of mammoth proportions. By actual measurements, it was 13 feet and 2 inches in length. The circumference of the skull was measured to be 37 inches. The feet 
were 21 inches in length. This is the second discovery of this kind made near Pony during the past year. Ed Sparrow, while sinking a shaft on his mine near Richmond Flats last June, exhumed a skeleton of even larger proportions than the one in question. From the thigh bone, it measured five feet and three inches and was 17 feet in height. It is supposed that these skeletons are descendants of the historical tribe of giants known as Polos. The curiosity is now on exhibition at Dr. Cooper's office. Hoppinsville, Kentuckian, April 23, 1897, page 8. It reads, The bones of a giant ten feet in height were found near Lewisport. The Times-Dispatch, February 11, 1907, page 8, headline, Giant's Tooth. This discovery recalls that six months ago, the skeleton of a giant was discovered in the cave near Bristol by workmen who were opening a stone quarry. The bones showed their former possessor to have been fully ten feet in height. E.C. Huffmaker, formerly of the Smithsonian Institution, expressed the opinion that this skeleton was that of a prehistoric giant. End of quote. There were tribes of giants in the Bible, namely the descendants of Anak, the Anakims, a grouping of the Amorites, Emims, the Zamzumans, and, of course, the famed Goliath, slain by one smooth stone. The accuracy of the Scriptures is continually challenged, but never bested, never. God's Word is the place to build a life that will last forever. God said, Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. God said, Deuteronomy 3.13, And the rest of Gilead and all Bashan, being the kingdom of Og, gave I unto the half-tribe of Manasseh, all the region of Argob, with all Bashan, which was called the land of the giants. God said, Numbers 13.33, And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Man said, Of course academics reject the Bible, and one big reason is the fairy tale nature of this so-called sacred book. Empty exaggerations like hordes of giants once roaming the earth typifies the kinds of bunk that rightfully earns such skepticism. Now you have the record. <laughs>